Hey everybody, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Damien Pizzanti. And I'm Katie Gillespie. This week, I think we're going to be doing a fair bit of navel gazing. Uh, speaking with a lot of people that work here in the newsroom about uh, not only some things that we've got going on here, but things to go and play now that the weather is nice. Al Thomas is going to come on and talk to us a little bit about things that you can do to get outside, especially with Memorial Day weekend coming up. Uh, If you Mm -hmm. remember, Al came on the show several months ago talking about winter recreation. Mm -hmm. So now that it's nice out, we can kind of look to to some some other types, other ways to get outside. This is a story really targeted towards you new Vancouver citizens and uh, maybe you people that are new to recreating that you don't want to go to a golf course and you're kind of tired of walking along the river trail. I mean, we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the Pacific Northwest, which is already saying something because the Pacific Northwest is already one of the most beautiful spots in the country. But Al is a wealth of knowledge of good places to go. So get a notebook and get ready. And then we're going to talk about a new initiative that the Colombian is launching called Clark Asks uh, with John Hill and Mark Bowder. And Mm -hmm. uh, essentially that's a way to kind of engage with you guys a little bit more and find out what you guys want to read about. So they'll talk a little bit about what that looks like, what that means, Mm -hmm. and how you can uh, get connected to that program. Because we know you have questions about why things are the way they are in Clark County Mm -hmm. or what... or what is happening that we're not talking about, things like that. And so this is going to be an opportunity for you to come straight to us and say, hey, why is it this way? And we're going to look into it. And then the uh, and then we'll have Ashley on to talk about what to do with the long weekend here. And mm-hmm. that'll be our show. Yeah, that'll be a wrap. All right, everybody. Well, it's starting to get nicer outside. And finally, the rain is mostly gone. I mean, it's still kind of cloudy every now and then. But... I mean, it is late May, so I'm sure you guys are thinking about just throwing your snow equipment in the back of the closet, dusting off your hiking boots, and uh, probably want to check out some maps for some good places to go. So since uh, we are rolling into, I guess, what's usually the first official weekend of summer, we want to sit down with probably the guy who knows Southwest Washington recreation better than just about anybody else, the uh, outdoors editor, Al Thomas. Take it right, outdoors mm-hmm. editor. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> like you said, the uh, the, the snow is, is mostly gone in the low elevations, but <clears throat> up in the Gifford Pinchot, I drove around there Sunday, and anything over about 3,000 feet elevation, it's under substantial amounts of snow. For example, a, a, a staple on Memorial Day weekend is like Lava Canyon and Lahar yeah. on the south side of Mount St. Helens. Right now, the Road 83 is blocked to Marble Mountain Snow Park. That's seven, eight miles away. Mm-hmm. And there's still two feet of snow on that road in places. That's crazy. And you were just saying June, June Lake, um, that's got a ton of snow on it still too, right? Yeah, yeah. June Lake's only 3,400 feet. And it's a popular about a mile and a quarter hike from the trailhead. <clears throat> but it's the... the uh, Natural Resources Conservation Service meter there shows there's like 90 inches. That's crazy. I, st- I can't believe that we still have that much snow around here this late in the season. I feel like I'm like back in the Rockies or something. Yeah, in my 40 years here, I've seen a couple of winters that were worse. But wow. on the on the continuum of, of a lot of snow or less snow, there's still a lot left to go and to melt in the woods. Huh. I guess it's kind of good because then, you know, Nothing worse than a low snowpack and the place being dry as a tinderbox around here. Everybody starts to get a little panicky. Well, you know, s- snow's good for everything around here. The whole system runs on water. Yeah. You know, fish benefit from flows. The uh, 
you know just just everything works better in this climate mm-hmm. if there's a lot of a lot of spring as a kayaker i'm feeling great about it i'll actually have a season this year rather than like a three or four week window so anyway in light of that the fact that a, the snow the snow level is still low but the weather is improving uh What's a guy to do to go out there and have some fun this time of year? Well, <clears throat> what I notice is if I was going into Gifford Pinchot, the, the two places that you're probably going to want to go is up the North Fork of the Lewis River, and that Lewis River Trail 31 up there above Swift Reservoir is a nice trail, and it's all melted out. And, and Lower Falls Campground is a um, is a nice place. And although it's probably full for this weekend, you can still there's waterfalls and stuff to look out there. The other side is over on the Wind River Valley. It's snow free up to 3,000 feet and there's waterfalls and so Lewis River Trail 31 or maybe Falls Creek Falls Trail 152A those are probably your best bets. Another thing to think about is to go to the gorge. It's starting to get a little late to see the balsam root and the lupin and everything over there but not I mean they're still out and you can still find some nice hikes particularly on the east end of the gorge. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, that east end is a, I feel like a real asset because even even in the winter time, uh, you can be pretty fortunate and find some places to go where it's not all iced over or too nasty. Oh yeah, and and you know, <clears throat> the Washington side has a southern aspect, and so it doesn't it dries out and melts out sooner. And so, I mean, if you drive past up around Coyote Wall, mm-hmm. up up there the other side of Binge and White Salmon, <clears throat> I mean the Courtney Road parking lot there on Highway 14 is is full and. The overflow's full, and and same thing that that whole eastern gorge area. Every parking, every trailhead is just jammed with cars on a weekend. Yeah, I believe that. So um, the hiking is in good shape right now. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got a, you've got a few low elevation trails that are that are pretty good trails, but you're going to have some company. Yeah, I'm sure. The well, one thing that I saw when I was driving around Sunday is you see all these single cars just parked along the road in the forest and just isolated out there and then i finally figured out i'll bet those are mushroom hunters they have to be because they had to be they tended to be dampish type spots mm-hmm. and i thought why would why would there be a car here mm-hmm. you know and they probably have gotten found mushrooms there before and so they're going back and looking at their favorite spots but just mm-hmm. random cars just in odd places mm-hmm. you know it's funny you say that because i was up this sunday up at uh what's that campground just above lower creek falls horse camp Oh, Lewis River Horse Camp? Lewis River Horse Camp. I was up there on Sunday, and same story. There were a a bunch of trucks just kind of sporadically parked through the woods, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me what they were doing. But I think you're right. They had to have been out hunting mushrooms because it is that time of year. So if you guys want to go do that, it is a ton of fun. But make sure you know what you're getting and get a good guidebook. Yeah, but I mean, morals. You can sell morale, morale, morale mushrooms. You can sell, I mean, they're they're expensive so and delicious so you know you walk too far back in the woods off the trail Mm -hmm. or off the road and then pretty soon you stop paying attention and you look around and it all looks the same (laughs) you know i've been lost twice in the woods and so it's a a pan yeah it's a scary feeling how long were you lost for when you were lost oh a couple of hours oh really yeah I, i knew that if if i walked downhill i would eventually you know, come out to a place where I knew where I was at. But mm-hmm. I, I was doing some abandoned trails up on the Mount Adams Wilderness, mm-hmm. and they looked different, I guess, going than they did coming or whatever. And I, I went past a couple junctions, and all of a sudden I'm not in the right place. Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, and, and so what I did was I thought, <clears throat> I read somewhere the first thing to do when you're lost is to sit down and tie your shoelaces. 
Oh, really? Yeah, all that what is does is that to, do? It's to keep you from doing anything stupid. Oh. It causes you to sit down and just think about it and try and think your way out of this rather than just try and I'll go faster, harder, some direction just to do something, uh-huh. to do nothing for a few minutes. It short, sort of short circuits that panic. Yes, yeah, and that panic, that panic response is real. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, again, funny you say that because when I was... When I was up in the woods last weekend, uh, the guy I was with, he and I were talking about Sasquatch and the whole legend of it. And, you know, he asked me, like, do you think it's real? And uh, whether I do or not aside, like, I can totally see how that whole myth would get started in a place like this. And even, like, the possibility if one was to exist, like, the forest around here is so freaking dense and thick that you're, in a lot of places, you're lucky to be able to see 20 feet in any direction around you. And you see, you are right on the edge of where I think Sasquatch lives. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes, he exists in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest, somewhere between Quartz Creek Trail Number 5, which was right where you were at, uh-huh. and, and up the Lewis River a little bit, there's called uh, the Summit Prairie Trail Number 2, Yeah. and there's this huge, huge, you know, side slope there that mm-hmm. there aren't any roads there's no timber harvest in there mm-hmm. and and you there's just no one goes in there mm-hmm. i mean if they if they're secretive nocturnal creatures it'd be a perfect place so that's where i think he's at it's probably the best place for it i mean it's just oh, man i can't get over how dense the woods are out here so this are we at this awkward point where you could still be doing some like winter recreation right now if you want to can you still be cross-country skiing right now well yeah not very well because most of the places you if you went up drive a road to the end of the road mm-hmm. and then just put on your skis and ski up the road you'd be okay mm-hmm. but the, the roads are all littered with all kinds of you know limbs and 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 twigs and and needles and everything like that so it's not I mean, a, this isn't fresh snow no it's this not is... fresh snow it's old crusty snow yeah. that has thawed and frozen and thawed and frozen anywhere it's under a tree well it's gotten it's icky so it's bad snow but you could do it and i'm sure that you could have a, a quality outing snowshoeing up to june lake right now mm-hmm. that route cool. gets that route gets snow chewed so much i mean you it's it's just a big trench that you'd walk up through so you wouldn't get lost and it's too early, of course, for things like probably still a little too cold out there for things like kayaking or or paddleboarding or anything well, like that. Real safely, you know. I think the the kayakers are. I'm sure they're in Canyon Creek right now with these with yeah. these big flows and everything that yeah. we have coming down. That that I'm sure you know because there's a. Uh, you, you can't get way f- real far up Canyon Creek this year because I think, as you reported on Road 54, there's a it's closed. Yeah, and you can't yeah. you there's can't get you can't get way up there. But I'm sure there are, are some kayakers, certainly on Canyon Creek right now. Well, I can just say I went out on the I went kayaking on the Clackamas last weekend, and it's super high flows. Um, so what I will say is, like from from a water sports perspective, the rivers are running really well right now. They're high. If you on the same run now that you hit last June, you're not going to recognize it. But as long as you have the right gear, cold water equipment, a uh, good wetsuit or a good dry suit, and you know what you're doing, you can still go out there. And this is a great time to go, actually. Well, when they're high, aren't they easier? Aren't, aren't, aren't gnarly spots underwater? And, and doesn't it take some of the, the nastier places away yes when they're higher? Yes, no, definitely. So, you know, it kind of def- it depends on, like, the—it depends on— what the feature is and how many rocks there are generally speaking though you're right like all those boulders that are in the river they just get covered and where there used to be like a potential snag or like like a rock garden you had to weave through now you just have big wave trains running over the top of them which is how it is at the clackamas in other spots 
where there's big boulders um, where the river used to go around them, now it just goes over them and creates like a monster wave or a monster hole, which can be fun or can be scary as hell. You know, <clears throat> though, for for folks that aren't as, as as active as we are, I mean, just just to drive in the woods sometimes this time of year is is something to do. Absolutely. I mean, we forget that you know a lot of folks aren't going to want to get out there and beat the trails or whatever. And, there's, mm-hmm. and and I think you probably noticed there's there's dogwoods blooming everywhere. Yeah, in the it's different going crazy. Now. Yeah, this is this is their peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the the road up it, towards Mount St. Helens. I mean, it was like something out of one of those car commercials because the leaves. The, uh, the trees on either side of the highway are practically uh, touching at the center of the road. And so it's like you're almost driving through this green, like, for- verdant tunnel or something. It's yeah. amazing. <clears throat> and in many places, like, there's all they've done is they've cut a, a, a car width lane through a lot of those forest roads that haven't had real maintenance done on them yet. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this kind of this tunnel that you can that you can g- snake through to, to get up these roads. That's something we should also to probably talk about, speaking of the roads, is that the Gifford Pinchot's roads are, man, they are in rough shape right now. Um, because we had such a wet, rainy, and freezing winter, there's debris all over out there, right? Yeah, and there's also things, there's, there's slumps, there are frost heaves, there are all kinds of places that, you know, you're going along 35 mile an hour, and then you find one of those little frost heaves or something like that, and you bottom your car out when you come down on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, they're not going to know how bad things are until the slow, snow mm-hmm. slowly melts and, and, and they get in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, they don't really have a clue, I think, yet. You know what's still under the snow and what's got to get fixed sure al what's your favorite thing to do this time of year well <clears throat> i like to hike in the high country more than the low elevation stuff so <clears throat> what i'm doing right now is 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 i'm walleye fishing up in the columbia gorge oh really you know, walleye are a midwest fish that illegally got introduced here 50 years ago and there there are pockets of them in different places and so I'm going up by John Day Dam, up by Mary Hill State Park, oh. and, um, and, and catching those pretty soon when we get in a typical weather pattern where it's cloudy here in the morning and sunny in the afternoon, the west wind blows nonstop through the gorge, Yeah, and you can't fish then. So now that we're having these, these weather periods like we're having, you can get some, some flat days up there, mm-hmm. so I'm taking advantage of that. Gotcha. Now, for walleye fishing, my parents do it a lot back home, and you pretty much have to have a boat to get to them. Is it the same case? Yeah, there are a few places, particularly up in the John Day Pool further east in eastern Oregon and Washington, where there are some bank fisheries, but I don't know that much about them, but you're right. you got to have a boat. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so are there any other... Uh, are there any other fisheries really working right now, or is it just pretty much the walleye? Oh no, no, and the walleye's not a big fishery. I mean, oh, you, have really? to, you have to drive. Yeah, you have, to, you have to drive two and a half hours to even get to them. Wow. You know, the um, Columbia is still closed because they're waiting to see. You know, the the, the salmon returns have been really f- weird this year. There mm-hmm. there are indications there are lots of fish in the lower river, but they're not passing Bonneville Dam. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, but why. the problem is, is the Bonneville Dam has been flowing at four hundred fifty thousand cubic feet per second. And, and, and normal for this time of year might be 300,000. Oh. So the flows are huge. Uh-huh. And, and they think, well, those fish haven't, have normally passed Bonneville by now, and they haven't, so they're not coming. But in the last few days, we've seen huge counts. So mm-hmm. the whole hydrology of the river has, has goofed everything up. And I don't think the state and tribal and federal biologists really know. Mm-hmm. They have kind of an await and see. So the Columbia is closed. You can still salmon fish in the lower Willamette. And there are popular salmon fisheries at the mouth of Wind River and in Drano Lake, which is a large backwater at the mouth of the White Salmon River. Mm. And those are both fueled by hatcheries gotcha. right there. So, you know, there's that stuff to do. Plus, 
most low elevation lakes are open for trout fishing and canyon creek opens on saturday swift reservoir opens on june 3rd Mm -hmm. so and you know as slowly as these high elevation lakes melt out you can you know when i go up there i take a a a cheap 20 dollar pool and beach use only rubber raft Uh uh-huh and and we'll take those into some of those lakes with some plastic oars that's genius and and, you can fit one of those in just a day pack yeah exactly you know you you squeeze it down and and uh and and take a little you know foot operated pump so you can you know pump them out and that'll also you can reverse those so you can pull the air out of them so you can squeeze them back down in your pack so they're you know pretty pretty manageable Uh uh-huh so hey can you tell us a little bit about that the pike minnow fish in the gorge oh oh yeah that this is like the 25th or 26th year of it what is the deal with that you literally get paid to pull fish out of the river northern pike minnow were a native species in the columbia river when they built the hydroelectric system they changed the habitat to to really benefit them and so the populations have boomed well they're also really they're native fish yes wow i did also a voracious predator of young salmon and steelhead going down the columbia yeah that's not good for your endangered species list they'll eat like 13 a day Oh my God! Of the little smolts, and so what they figured out was it's the equivalent of a couple of hatcheries to pay sport fishermen to catch them, and turn them in and, and get them out of the river that way. Wow! So they have these 25 check stations between here and Idaho, and you sign up, and for the they got to be nine inches, and the first 100 you get five dollars a piece. And then from 101 to 400, you get six dollars a piece. Now that's not per day; that's no, through the per, season. Per fish. Well, I mean, like, a, so like your first 100. Yeah, that for, you the catch season, the season. for the season. For the season, yeah. Okay. And then in, once you're over 400, they're eight dollars a piece. Wow. So and then and then they have they have tagged ones out there, and the tagged ones are worth fifty dollars. Wow. And so the the really best the really best pike minnow fishermen are making a hundred thousand dollars. What? You're but, kidding but me. But they they live out there. They live in their boats, and they have a routine where they might start up at the Dalles area right now, and then later in the year they'll they'll move up, oh, maybe by Tri-Cities, and then they might move into the Snake River, and then they'll come back down here, and then they'll be down around Cathlamet, and they have kind of a, a, a migration that they make. And there's all kinds of—the really popular bait is chicken liver. Chicken liver. Yeah, which I'm not. Guys gonna, are making a hundred thousand dollars pulling fish out of the river with, with chicken, chicken liver. liver. Or, or you ever heard of? Why a, the hell did I go to have college? You, <laughs> have you ever heard of a Mormon cricket? Yes, I saw my first Mormon cricket out of the gorge last year. That is the craziest looking bug I've well, ever seen. Some of these guys go up there about Umatilla, and they they go back and they and they get a bunch of Mormon crickets, and uh-huh. they use those for bait. And apparently, they're a very productive pike minnow bait. Wow! For those of you guys that don't know what a Mormon cricket is, it's a cricket about the size of your big toe with gigantic legs off of it, and they move in these roving herds. A lot of times, you'll see them on like literally just a swarm on the highway and cars are just crunching them it's gnarly yeah so <clears throat> when that program first started a few quite a few years ago i got into it a little bit but i just you only have so much time to fish and and you know i didn't need the money bad enough that i wanted <laughs> to go out and catch and, and when it pro- started it was only three dollars a fish wow do people eat them are they good no you know they i think they they grind them into fish food they they you know they go to rendering plants and stuff like that they they use them i don't know exactly for but Hmm. i don't know anybody that eats them interesting so well i guess man that is just the wildest thing to me that you can go out and like literally get paid to kill a bunch pull a bunch of fish out of the river yeah and and these guys they they they, some of them they fish all night they sleep in their boats they'll have their families bring meals down to them 
if 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 they're close it's it wow. literally they live it from the first of may when it starts until the end of september when it closes but i guess if you can bring in that much money if that means just like really busting it for that many months i mean i i'd love to make a hundred hundred grand in five months that yeah sounds but a, awesome a, a lot of guys are, are down into only twenty thousand dollars and then there uh, there sure. there's there's a whole bunch of high enders that are really good at it uh-huh. and then there's you know a whole bunch of pikers that go out and, and don't do very well and give it up oh gotcha huh sounds and they're a real secretive bunch oh if you I, run I under one you run into one in the river and you go up here and you just try to you know go by and 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 just talk with them to see what they're doing or something like that uh-huh. they kind of hunker down they go underneath the cover of their boat they have no interest in socializing wow huh so you know so you're used to all you're used to all that bull on the river or something like that and you can tell these guys because they are they are not friendly wow that's amazing thanks a lot al okay. appreciate your time thank you Okay, so we are sitting down with, uh, what's your guys' title now? Metro Team Editors? Is that the... <laughs> That's what it is. Right? Okay. Yeah. With Metro Team Editors, Mark Bowder and John Hill to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Clark Asks, which we just launched this week. Um, and like we said in the intro, it's like a new effort to get people to engage with, with us and, and pitch us their stories, basically, right? What it is... Um... Uh, effectively is we're opening up our reporters notebooks uh, with the idea of bringing our readers kind of into the process of how we find and report items that are interest to the community and we all get a lot of story tips uh, through email and phone calls or just in our day-to-day interactions with with reporters as you know as reporters and editors um, but the idea behind this is to reach out a little farther into the community and uh, find out what people are curious about I'm pretty excited about this I, I really hope that the people um, I, I really hope that people really engage well with this because as a reporter I'm always thinking about like I know what issues are relevant or at least I know what's going on in my own on my own beats as much as I think I do but I know there are tons of blind spots that I'm not aware of and stories that are happening that I hope that members of the public will reach out to me and connect with me and you know they might not. Some people definitely do send me emails or reach out to me on Twitter, but this seems like a new way to really empower like our audience to engage with us. Right. Yeah. No, I think you hit something on the head there uh, because we can't be uh, everywhere at once. Uh, there just aren't enough bodies in the newsroom to get out to this giant county. And uh, so, you know, we really need to rely on the readers to be sort of the our extra eyes and ears and and uh, this is just is a great way for their questions to surface up and help us tell some good stories. So can you guys give us like a, uh, a, a quick uh, recap of what this, like where this idea came from, what it is, and how we're going to make it happen? Uh, yeah, we just heard about uh, this uh, project called Curious City that uh, started in Chicago at WBEZ. And uh, a woman there named Jennifer Brandell was kind of behind it. And uh, it led to, uh, she eventually created a startup called Harkin. uh, And that got some, I think, some funding from the Knight Foundation, which funds a lot of innovative stuff for news, in the news business and in journalism. And um, so we'd heard about it. We were, I guess, just curious as to, could this work here um a lot of it's it's worked for a lot of public radio stations uh, KUOW uses it up in Seattle and uh 
there's I think about 70 other stations that use it around the country. So wow, I had no idea it was there so popular. There aren't a lot of newspapers though, so we're sort of we're you know are we trailblazing? Is that what's <laughs> happening? A, a little bit. I don't know of any papers on the West Coast that are using it. So. As much as newspapers can trailblaze. <laughs> So that's, I guess, so really how it kind of got going. What's the lowdown? Like, how does it work? If I'm, um, if I'm sitting on the other side of the computer or the other side of the print edition, because I'm a good lo- loyal subscriber, like all of you guys should be. If I'm sitting on that side of it and I have something that I feel like the paper should do something about, how do I connect? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, the idea that what we're trying to get from people uh, is sort of really plumbing their curiosity. What What's the sort of thing that a person or an issue that, that they're just curious about, something that intrigues them, uh, something they've always wondered about? Um, so uh, it might be as simple as, you know, why does it take so long to fill potholes um, after uh, after a winter? Or it could be, what's this weird thing out in the country that I see every time I drive past? And it just, what is this thing? It could be anything. It can be silly. It can be serious. It can be political. Um, it can be about the arts. Um, so how it works, though, uh, is that you go to uh, our webpage. Uh, we have two ways you can access it. One is Colombian.com slash Clark Asks, which takes us to the homepage for the Clark Asks uh, feature. Or you can actually just go to Colombian.com's homepage and look down on the page and you'll see uh, the Clark Talks module there on the page, uh, which gives Clark you the asks. Clark Asks, Clark Talks, right? That's This is Clark yeah. Talks. <laughs> do, we have a, do we have a symbol or like a logo picked out for it? You know, we got that cool old style chrome microphone. <laughs> yeah, I think they're working on that. That's, uh, uh, that's to come. S- right design, design to be determined. Yes, okay, exactly. So once you go to the, uh, to either to the website or you find that module on the page in the Clark Asks, asks section. Boy, this doesn't go well over the air. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just talking. It's better. It's easier to read Clark asks than it is to say Clark asks. Absolutely. Sure. So this is this is good for print. Um, anyway, so you when you see the module, you'll uh, have the opportunity to put your question in, and it uses Twitter conventions, so it's 140 characters or less. Um, and uh, we ask you to include your name and your email address, and this is important because uh, we'll be wanting to get back in touch with you if you've uh, you've submitted a question. Once that's done, that's that's the main part of your of your obligation. Um, once that happens, the we see the questions as they come in, uh, and then as time goes on, we identify the questions that have the potential to be answered, um, and then. Um, it comes back to the readers. Uh, they get a chance to decide what we cover. We'll be putting the questions up for a vote, which is something that a lot of the other stations have done. Um, and uh, with the idea that the top vote getter uh, will be getting top priority for an investigation. So the idea is to really involve the readers in the process, kind of open up the newsroom a little bit um, and give folks a chance to, uh, to kind of see how the sausage is made, but hopefully a delicious and informative sausage so the idea is it's you you know your answers have to come in the form of a question right it's a little it's it's we're prompting people with you know what's something that you've always been curious about or whatever the prompt ends up being in a any given period of time and then readers respond to us with questions they we're not we're not looking for responses like you need to look into why this politician said this thing. It's why did this politician say this thing? Or why does this re- 
that why do we not have this type of restaurant here or things exactly. like that okay yeah hidden factor is an example you'd like to know we uh since we launched the feature on tuesday we've gotten a handful of questions already oh sweet even without any promotion cool. and so here's a couple of the uh examples um, this one says the landing at Evergreen Retail Development in East Vancouver. That's where that old airport, Grass Strip Airport, yeah. used to be, out past 136th Avenue in Mill Plain. Um, the question goes on: uh, When can we expect the Bridgeport Village style complex that was proposed out there to break ground? Cool, That's a good question. That's, That's a great, great question. question. Um, here is another question. Um, uh, my great uncle died in a fire in July 1944 at Hudson House in Clark County. I wonder if you have any information regarding this fire. Cool. Actually, as it turns out, it was a huge deal at the time. So it's something that we could possibly look into. And then there was another one where a person says, what is this? And he included <laughs> a link to a, a, a Google map that was a satellite view of this big structure that's out in a field uh, out in the Dollar's Corner area. Huh. And uh, and so that's a that's a great possibility of trying to figure out what it is, and we have some 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 thoughts about it already. Um, but the beauty of this uh, system is what we want to do is in maybe not every case, but in some cases, we want to be able to involve the question asker in helping us figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. So whether that's hopping in the car with a person who asked about this, what this strange structure is, and driving out there with a reporter and a photographer and taking a look at it and kicking the tires and seeing what's going on, um, or going to a classroom and, and taking part in an interview with someone, there's just all sorts of opportunities uh, for the reader to take part in the reporting process. Cool. I love this idea because there's so, I think there's, there's, and we talk about this all the time in the newspaper industry, so there's such a wall between us and the readers so frequently that it seems like this is really taking some steps to sort of break down some of those walls that, that have existed over the course of decades. So, Yeah, I think uh, we all know that uh, there's, <laughs> you know, some mixed feelings about the media out there. Um, there's obviously a lot of people out there that have a love-hate relationship with us, mm -hmm. uh, and um, they're skeptical. Uh, and as Mark was saying, you know, they don't know how we do things necessarily. Uh, so this will be maybe a great opportunity to kind of uh, pull down the curtain and involve them in the news gathering process. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think. Probably one of the biggest criticisms I hear from people who have an axe to grind with the media is uh, very similar to what you hear about the the axe that they grind with the government is that there's no transparency or that like we're hiding something or purposely avoiding something. And this to me seems like a direct effort to, you know, be more transparent with what we do and show people like what like what the process is to getting to this point. And I think in the last few weeks as we've been talking about this as a newsroom, kind of kicking this around, if I remember right, you guys said that this has led to some pretty interesting and pretty successful projects in um, with other news outlets that have done this, right? Yeah, uh, I was just looking at some of those uh, earlier today. Um, KUOW, I know uh, a couple of years, they've been doing this a while, uh, they're... I think it was in 2014, six of their top 10 stories online were all from this. Wow. And No way. Yeah. Six of their top 10? Yeah. That's amazing. And um, yeah, I was impressed by that. Uh, they, 
uh, I think just recently they did a story too that um, I saw the other day. It was about uh, spooky underwater forests in Lake Washington. Oh, that was a great story. <laughs> yeah. And that was a reader's question. Somebody, Are you serious? That was yes, a reader's question? Somebody, or a listener, I guess, for oh, them, because wow. it's K-U-O-W. But uh-huh. yeah. And um, I know uh, WDET in Detroit did a, recently just did a story on, uh, a listener asked, are there salt mines under Detroit? And turns out there are. And uh, there's a huge salt industry there in Detroit. I had no idea. I thought they were just known for making cars. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So that led to a whole uh, story that, you know, they have audio, obviously. um, And then they have the text component online. But then they had a a huge story about uh, how the salt uh, industry works there. And uh, it's a big, big business. I had no idea. That's yeah. crazy. Huh. Yeah. And Apparently, are... not many people are da- allowed down into the salt mines, though. So that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so this is live now, and it's all on the website, right? Right. The official URL is Columbia.com slash Clark hyphen asks. Um, but we've created a redirect so we can you know, attempt to actually say it as Columbia.com slash Clark asks, and that will take you to the site is this just the same way. So yeah, after you guys hear this, you could go onto the website right now. You could do this while you're listening to us right now and uh, punch in a question, and we'll, you might just be one of the people that uh, we choose to to solve that mystery for you. Now we're really <laughs> excited about the the possibilities for this because you know we 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 cover institutions, we mm-hmm. cover you know police, we cover fire, but there is a universe of things that goes on in Clark County uh, that people have known and wondered about for years, decades, more. And the things that we haven't seen or heard. Um, But if they can bring it to our attention, we can share those stories um, with our readers. And I think that just makes us all a a better operation. Totally. I really think you hit something on the head with that because we're what a county of what is it 480,000 people and we're a team of 12 reporters and that is a lot of ground to cover the odds are kind of stacked against being able to uh, pick up on everything exactly so how did you how did you guys uh come across this how i i listen to a lot of wbez stuff and i read a lot of uh KUW stuff and I I had no idea this even existed until I think I heard you two kicking it around the newsroom well I first heard about it through uh, the online news association which is a oh sure a group that's been around I don't know almost 20 years maybe um, and they have conferences every year uh, and they were at the conferences they talk about innovative things that are going on at other news organizations and then they share that with other people and it's just a great way to get ideas out there so we can all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the first time I heard about it. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we kicked around the idea of doing it, well, maybe we could just do this with Facebook. Do we really need this Harkin thing? And, uh, but I think, you know, we just, we talked a lot and we decided it would just be too clunky to do it there Mm -hmm. um you know and it didn't have a voting module and there were just so many things that this has that makes it uh i think it helps increase the engagement factor for people 
And it looks like it's a little bit more powerful of a system than something that we could MacGyver together. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And now for the final and most familiar chapter of the show, we are going to talk with Ashley Swanson, who's going to give us a lowdown on the good stuff happening in town this weekend. Hooray. Well, are there good stuff? Is there good stuff happening in town this weekend? Well, that's what's interesting. Did I overstate this? Well, no, because it is Memorial Day weekend and people enjoy the having three days of family and friends and, and what looks like to be nice weather. That's right. It's the long weekend. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, unofficial start of the summer, right? Right. Kind of. So it's always an interesting time events-wise because there's either some annual events um, that happen around this weekend, but a lot of times it gets a little quiet because either people are getting ready for the big summer events or people know people are out vacationing, traveling around, mm -hmm. um, using that time. So, for example, with the, this uh cover story for the weekend section on Friday um, I wrote it more as kind of a guide to your summer because we often get a lot of people asking like oh when's the recycled arts festival or when do the concerts in the park start and those kind of things that they don't want to miss right um, but it's easy to kind of forget that they're coming up and so I basically wrote a story of like here's the big events you might want to put on your calendar so you don't miss cool yeah so what have we got this weekend then uh, for this weekend uh, there is uh, open cockpit day at the Pearson um, Airfield Education Center, which is kind of a fun event, especially with nice weather, because they bring out a bunch of vintage aircraft, um, they have a lot of different um, aviation-themed activities, and then if you're a kid 8 to 17, uh, they will be giving away free airplane rides. Um, so if you, it's first come first serve and it depends on the weather, but basically you can get really get a good taste of aviation and a lot of the vintage aircrafts, you can actually get up into the cockpit and kind of get a pilot's eye view of things. And that's a 9am to 3pm Saturday and it's free. Cool. What else? Uh, I mean, there is that little thing across the river called the Portland Rose Festival. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the one of the marquee events around here. <laughs> so Portland Rose Festival. So yeah. talk about that. Well, um, so Memorial Day weekend is kind of uh, it is always the first weekend of the City Fair, which is the big carnival festival that happens on the waterfront. Um, and so all the bigger events like the Starlight Parade and the Rose Festival Parade happen uh, later in June. But this is a great way if you're kind of missing like elephant ears or you really want to go on the Ferris wheel. I'm always missing elephant ears. Exactly. This is that weekend to do it. Um, they also do an interesting thing on Saturday called the uh, One Point Run. You know how marathons are like 26 point something miles? Yeah, 26.22. 26.2. Yeah. Or like, yeah, half marathons, point 13.1. Yeah. yeah. So they're doing the point one part in the actual carnival festival fair. Cool. So people will be like running around and you can sign up for that early. Um, but yeah, so that's running all weekend through Monday. Um, they'll do fireworks on Friday night. Um, yeah. And it's, I think, $8 to get in plus a bunch of other things that happen. Um, and then Memorial Day weekend is also kind of a big um, release weekend for wineries like 
wineries in Washington and Oregon kind of um, use it as a way to release all their Bring new... out their summer stuff. Yeah, their spring stuff, their summer stuff, stuff that's been kind of fermenting. All and... their rosés yes. and their whites and so all those if... good barbecue wines. Oh yeah, the perfect sips for the summer, basically. Um, so if you have a favorite winery, definitely uh, check them out this weekend. It sounds like so many in the area are doing um, events. If you don't know where to start with Clark County wineries, because we have a bunch now, there is the Southwest Washington Winery Association. They kind of put on a self-guided tour with a map of of the different wineries in Battleground, Ridgefield, Vancouver, Yakult, Clark County. Um, Most wineries will be open from like noon to six, uh, Saturday through Monday. Of course, there's tasting fees and you got to be an adult, but it's kind of a a nice little jaunt. It's a good time to rally up your woo girls and go do some tasting, sounds like. You you got your woo girls? I have an entourage of woo girls. (laughs) Perfect. I actually don't have an entourage of woo girls. So you're currently um, auditioning for woo girls? I don't think my girlfriend would approve, (laughs) to tell you the truth. All right. So after uh, after you get your drink on uh, this weekend, then what's what else is going on? Uh, have you heard of the sixty three acre private park in Clark County? No. No, just assume I haven't. (laughs) But it's fun to ask. Um, Alderbrook Park is a private park that has uh, lakes and ponds and pools and play equipment. Wait, where is this? um, It's near Bush Prairie. It's uh, 63 acres. Um, It's usually um, like reservation only, but they do um, public days. So um, Memorial Day weekend is their first public day of the year. You can go explore the big park. Um, It's an admission price of about $5 to $10. And it's open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. this weekend, and it's 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 a really interesting place because there's um, a bunch of different venues. There's picnic tables. There's um, a pond where you can do like little paddle boats across. Um, it's it's basically kind of like a mini wonderland to explore. I'm kind of intrigued by the concept of a private park that large mm-hmm. who owns it i don't remember i know we wrote some stories a while back from scott hewitt because um, he was kind of exploring uh kind of the history of it and where it came from yeah and mm. it's it's really popular for a lot of people to do like um, big family reunions or they do weddings and mm. and that kind of it gives you a nice nature space um that's well maintained but yeah over the summer they do a lot of things like uh, movie nights and car cruises that are open to the public mm-hmm. so they really kind of gear up for the summer yeah, um, and that's that's kind of it. I mean, there's always more things. There's uh, uh, the bread and butter day, of course, at uh, <laughs> the Cedar Creek Grist Mill in, oh, in right, Woodland, right. and and there's um, a couple concerts happening around town, and you know, there's always more to do and see and find out and discover for yourself if you pick up Friday's weekend section. I was just going to say, where can people find out about the more to see and do and explore for yourself in the weekend edition? Definitely. Cool. Great. Well, thanks, Ashley. Yeah. Enjoy your weekend. All right. That's our show. That's a wrap. Man, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but could we have timed this show any better? Sitting down with Al Al Thomas talking about all this great stuff to do on um, on a podcast that's coming out on a Thursday, the day before the start of the long recreation weekend. Yeah. Um, God, we are serving the public. It's amazing. <laughs> Do you have big plans for the weekend? I'm going to probably head up north to my dad's house, play around a golf with him, and eat some barbecue. Speaking of barbecue and wine. So, yeah. Um, other than that, I'm hoping to squeeze in maybe a paddle trip or a mountain biking trip. Oh, that'd be good. 
Yeah, I try to do one of those every weekend if yeah. I can. How about you? Uh, we're going out to the coast uh, on you Saturday. And everyone else. Yeah, I know it's going to be bumping, but mm. I want to need to get some need to get some ocean in for for a while. So, and then I on Monday I'm going to DC actually, and I'll be out there for a week. So, cool. Kind of a busy busy weekend so yeah that is a busy weekend i'm gonna be running the show by myself yep maybe i'll bring on like a special guest host do you have any do you have any nominees for who should be the other half of the clark talks hosting i don't know i don't know you bring in ashley yeah that's true she might not be bad she's familiar with it i kind of want to bring in like a dark horse from out of nowhere that the listeners nowhere (laughs) i don't think we have enough listeners that they have expectations damien is that true you guys it's true do you not have expectations (laughs) Well, maybe they will give me a suggestion. Somehow I highly doubt that, but maybe yeah. they will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can find Clark Talks on Columbian.com every Thursday uh, posted to the homepage. And you can also subscribe to it uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can either email Damien or myself directly or shoot us an email at podcast at Columbian.com. And I just want to double down quick that... Um, I like to believe that you guys are probably some of our most engaged. Like uh, when I say our, I mean the Colombians probably like some of the most engaged uh, users and just like audience members. That we yeah. Have. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not a casual news. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you are and we just got you all wrong. Either way, I really want you to I really encourage you to send some questions to this Clark asks thing. Yeah, definitely. Remember the, the URL for that is Colombian.com slash Clark asks. Yep. Anyway, uh, we will see you guys next week. I'll see you next week. Katie won't. She's going to be off on the East Coast. Yeah, by the time this comes out, I will be uh, having a private tour of the National Museum of African American History. So That's happening next. That's happening no, it's happening Thursday. Friday. It's happening on Friday. Just kidding. Yeah, so... Uh, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna gloat smugly, be accurate about whatever, it. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. The point is, I'm gonna be in DC, yeah, learning cool things about journalism and yep. hopefully coming back a better reporter. So anyway, uh, stay tuned and see you later.